Welcome to Everything In Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics that range from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. Um, so I'll start out this podcast how I always started out. How was your week? Good week. Very good week. We All are non-soccer nine players. points Please clear in the title race. Finished 2018 undefeated at home. Only eight goals allowed this season so far at for this first half of the season. 54 points out of 60. It's not bad. It's pretty good. Is that right? 54 out of 60? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, good week. We beat Arsenal 5-1. Mm-hmm. As well as, I think we had another game in between there. We beat uh, Newcastle 4-0 before that. Right Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't give me yeah. It was a good week. It's a good, awesome, and it's, you know, way to end the new year and almost new year. I guess this will be the day after, so happy belated new year. Oh, yeah, you're right. This comes out 2019. We already uh, had our last. Wow. Other than that, um, I mean, Christmas was good. Yes. Got some cool presents. Yes, I got Cards Against Humanity. I'm so happy about it. We got a new shotgun mic for the Zoom, which is cool. We can... Yes, we're, I think we're going to play around with that I'll in be the good. future. And then, uh, and then you have the other game that I really want to try. Yes, and you said you wanted to do it on the podcast, and then we realized it was literally all visual. So well, It's not all visual. It's, just that it's mostly visual. It's it kind of relies on That'd eyes. That'd be cool. I still think we have to figure it out. Maybe we can. Okay, well, um, I do want to, since we're talking about Christmas, quickly give a shout-out to my friend Olivia because she got um this awesome everything in between mug custom made custom made that has our logo on it and it's so cool it is awesome it's like i'm looking at it right now that's a really cool gift i'm gonna put it on our instagram i think because i just it's so awesome it's i can't i just so what can you do i mean that's it right there the only one so oh my god you dropped it stop you scared me i didn't (laughs) i'm still holding it oh my god Oh, I'm literally holding it less than an inch above the table, and you still scared me so much. <laughs> it's a great gift. It is. You're gonna you're gonna use it though, right? It's not gonna be one of those ones you just see and look yes, at. Yes, I'm gonna use it. Or you're gonna support it with the rest of your paraphernalia. No, I'm gonna use it. I use all the mugs I have. It really? You do? I do. That Doctor Who one? That big Doctor Who one that could fill a whole cup of soup? I mean, a whole uh, can of soup? How well, many times I use that, huh? A couple times. I no, I have. I've used it a couple times. Oh it's just I. Right, just I don't often lying. need to drink an entire or eat an entire can it of. It doesn't soup. matter. It's perfect for cereal. It's perfect for everything. Well, I don't eat I've cereal. We have no cereal have. in this house. What do you mean you've used I it? I use it all the time. Why do you use my because mug? it's the perfect size bowl for anything oh large of liquid. Oh my god! Oh my god! So I've had soup. I've had. I actually made a big thing of hot cocoa in it. Well, not in it, but poured into it. Like real hot cocoa, chocolate oh, melted and everything. Cocoa, chocolate yeah. melted everything. Mm. And now it's hidden, so you'll never find it again. No, it's not. I've n- I All know right. exactly anyway, what Anyway, your mug's great. 
Yeah, it is great, Dad. Anyway, um, anything, any comments before we jump right in? You did get another Christmas sweater. I did. I'm wearing it right now. I got a Star Wars Christmas sweater. So that brings my collection of Christmas sweaters up to three. Um, and, you know, we're going to aim for yeah, 31. Yeah, I got another sweatshirt. Yes, yes I did. Don't seem to care where no, we're talking no, about No, no, I do care yeah, about it. It's just not Christmas themed, so it's not on the top of my mind, okay? But I am going to wear it the second we go back to school. Okay? It's a Gallivant sweatshirt. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's two seasons on Netflix. It's like a, a musical TV show that's set in like... Medieval times. Medieval times. I couldn't yeah. think of the word. It's really funny. It's really good. Should not have gotten canceled, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah. Go check and that out. And what were the things you didn't get me again? Oh, the shotgun Stop! mic. Stop! Oh, my God. Right. We can start now. Let's go. Wow. Okay, fine. So, before I go into my story... I am going to give a warning because it is extremely graphic. I'm going to I'm not going to go into the like gory details because it's just really like stomach turning. Um so I will refrain from that, but you can always look it up on your own. Uh but yeah, it still is really sad. Um and this is actually a suggestion from my friend Jackie, so thank you very much Jackie. Um so this is the story of Junko Furuta. Do you know it? I do not. I don't think. All right. Well, you're about to. Um, also, my other friend, Olivia, not the Olivia that gave me the mug, different Olivia. The one who doesn't like soccer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure. Oh, you know, she actually listens to our episodes, right? Like, we kind of need listeners. I, I, what, I, what do you want me to do? That's how I have to distinguish between Olivia, who gets you a nice mug, <laughs> and then Olivia, who oh can't stand the soccer, doesn't want me to talk about Olivia, it. Olivia, you need to redeem yourself by like coming up with some like old movie that you really like, and then you're back in. Right, Dad? Time will tell. Oh. Ooh. Okay. All right. Well, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh. Oh, yeah. So, Olivia notified me that apparently I say... Don't worry, it gets worse quite a lot on the podcast. And I'm just going to warn you that many times in this story, it will get worse. That doesn't make sense, but it also makes sense. You know what I mean? I am setting my expectations for a gory story. It is very gory. And, yeah, I will try not to go into too so much. So people should not be eating while listening to yeah, this? Yeah, don't eat. Um, don't listen to this at night. Is it scary gory well, or just it's gory? Just, it'll give you violent nightmares probably. Like it's so, it's, I feel like now I'm hyping it up too much, but like I'd rather hype it up too much that so people are like, okay, that wasn't too bad. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so um, we are in Japan uh, in the 1980s and the exact location is Misato, I think it's pronounced. Uh, so Junko was a part-time employee after school. Uh, she was known to be popular and good-looking, and I have a picture of her right here. This is her. How old is she? I believe she's 17. So 16, she's in 17. high school? Yeah. Okay. So wait, um, she's basically your age. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Oh, okay. Um, so she was, um, quote, 
looked down upon by the gangster-like teenagers since she refrained from smoking, drinking, alcohol, and drug use. So she was a good kid. But she's popular. She's popular, but not among, like, the gangster kids, you know? Okay. And, like, later on, like, you'll... Actually, in the next bullet point, uh, you'll see. So there's this other guy at the school called Hiroshi Miyano, uh, who was a known school bully with connections to the Yakuza. Uh, and that's going to come up a lot in the story. Um, so he had asked her out, but she turned him down. And um, people were like, like, people were like, you don't turn down this guy. Like, he's with the Yakuza, you know? And she was like, no. Um, so very brave. And it did not go well, unfortunately. Uh, so... Um, our story starts with Hiroshi and his friend, uh, Nobuharu Minato, uh, and the two of them were wandering around the city with the intent of robbing and raping local women. And again, they're and these in are high, school. high schoolers. They're high schoolers, yeah. Uh, so they spotted Junko. So w- when you're saying, so they were actually members of the Yakuza or their I think, family? I think were. they had well, they, it wasn't their family, but they uh, they had connections themselves. I don't know if they were full on members or if they just like like new people. I just feel like the yakuza. Just the stories I've ever heard of them mm-hmm. that you know they're like, they're a crime gang, you know, um, very violent and all. But they had a code of conduct. I just feel like if they're one of their own is doing crime. I, th- so I feel like they're probably not like a direct part of it, but they think they're all that just because they have connections. So they're just basically a bunch of violent hooligans yeah. that go to high school and say that they're connected somehow with y- the Yakuza. Yes. Okay. Uh, so they spotted Junko cycling home from her job. And so uh, Hiroshi ordered his friend, Minato, to kick her off her bicycle. And so he did, uh, and then he fled. So then Hiroshi was like, oh, I'm going to be the hero here. So he like walked over to her and helped her up. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll walk you home. Right. But instead, he led her to a warehouse uh, where he revealed his Yakuza connections to her. um, And he threatened to kill her and then raped her in the warehouse, took her to a nearby hotel and then did it again. So. He then called Minato and two of his other friends, uh, Joe Ogura and Yas- Yasushi Watanabe. I think that's pronounced right, but I'm not sure. So he bragged to them about uh, the rape. And then reportedly, uh, his friend Ogura asked him to keep her so that they could all have a turn. And the group had a history of gang rape. Um so they had recently kidnapped another girl, but they had released her afterwards. So at three in the morning, uh, Hiroshi took Junko to a nearby park where his friends were waiting. Uh, they looked through her backpack and got her address from a notebook inside. And they told her that the Yakuza would kill her family if she attempted to, sca- to escape from them. Again, she's like 17. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. Um, Okay, so they easily overpowered her and took her to Minato's house, where he lived with his parents. 
Um, and the house was like a regular gang hangout anyway. And um, uh, it, it's actually I'm going to get into it, it later. So I'll describe like what the, the what the parents sort of had a role in this crime. Uh, so two days later, um, Joko's parents contacted the police and reported her missing. And so upon hearing like that, uh, her being missing was like in the news, the kidnappers forced her, forced Junko to call her mother and say that she had run away, but she was safe and staying with a friend in order to stop a police investigation. Um, so whenever Minato's parents were around, uh, Junko was forced to pose as one of the members girlfriends to fool them um but i mean we're talking days now like they're so she's living there pretty much but like the parents aren't always around so they just sort of i feel like they're just trying to play it off as like oh yeah she's just hanging out and then hiding her just one of the gang gotcha yeah um but then this charade was dropped when it was realized that minato's minato's parents were too afraid of him and his connections to the Yakuza. So they knew and they were too afraid to do anything. Um, and so they just were like, I'm not even going to touch this. So, um, Junko was kept at the house for a total of 44 days. And over that period of time, she was raped 400 times. Oh my God. Yeah. So they also just tortured her i'm I'm not even going to go into the details here but like with physical torture mental torture it was um yeah they would starve her and um i don't even want to go into the torture it's just very (sighs) yeah they they would burn her with like cigarettes and that's just like the lightest that they did um so then two other members of the group were officially identified to be part of it. Um, Tetsuo Nakamura and Ko- Koichi Ihara. And uh, for Ihara, it said that he was bullied into raping her. Um, but both of them were charged with rape after DNA was found on her body. Wait, so how do they... Fu- Hold on, I'm, not, I'm getting there, but I'm just going to tell you that before I keep going okay um so uh ihara told his brother about what was going on who then told his parents who called the police so the police arrived at the minato house and were informed that there was no one inside besides the minatos um and they were invited they were like the i believe it was minato who actually answered the door and he said yeah you can look around if you want and then the police declined to look around because they thought that being invited in was proof enough that there was no one there. Um, had they looked... You've got to be kidding. They could have saved her 16 days into the torture. So, this is... There was a total of 44 days. She could have been saved after 16. And in the 44 was the 400 rapes? or It was... After, uh, over a period of 44 days, she was raped 400, 400 times. times. So in day 16, or mm-hmm. you're not day 16, you're saying 16 days. 
would have saved her 16 days. No, They're saying like 16 28. days in, she oh. could have been saved. Okay, so on day 16, police on come day to 16, the door. The police come. And they, they don't do anything. They don't do anything. They were eventually fired after it all came out. So there's that, at least. So then in early December, Junko attempted to call the police. But she was discovered by Hiroshi before she could say anything. And he hung up the phone. So when the police called back, um, he informed them that it was just a mistake. And as punishment, they set her on fire. Um, so this is day 44? No. She survived. Um, she started to um, go into convulsions and they thought she was faking a seizure. So they set her on fire again. And she survived again. And they continued to torture and rape her. Yeah. And this is like the lightest amount that I can go into. It is so much worse. And I'm choosing not to say it because it's horrible. It's this case. Like it's it's so horrible what happened. What? So your friend Jackie... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a Jackie I met when we went to see who did you see again? Uh Welcome to Night Vale. Yes, this is this Jackie. Wow, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> you successfully like made my stomach turn. Uh so reported So I'm assuming the things you're not getting into is they basically did things to her body with objects and things like that. And yeah. then they there's stuff that has to do with fireworks. There's oh, stuff that has to do with barbells. And then they kept raping her. Yeah. She was burned twice. Like yeah. all over her body burned? Uh, it was her legs that they set on fire at first, I believe. Hold on. Let me find. Uh, yeah. Legs and feet. So she wouldn't run away? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But like also, I mean, also because it was just as a punishment. And they somehow found it pleasurable to watch this, which I cannot. Oh, God. Okay. So she reportedly asked her captors to, quote, kill her and get it over with on multiple occasions, but they refused. Um, and this took place in December, right? And they forced her to sleep outside on the balcony uh, some nights and also locked her in a freezer some nights. So she's still calling her parents that I've run away. And no, she did this only once. No, no. But like, so she said to her parents whenever she called that time, like, I'm, it was I'm, two days after I'm gone. You're never going to see me again. I'm fine though. Don't worry. Yeah. And, but no, they, they didn't so really they, believe this. They like kept, so people them. are still searching. Yeah. And, oh my God. Um, so, According, this is going to be graphic, so please um, take take precaution. So according to one of the boys, Junko's hands and legs became so badly damaged that it took her over an hour to drag herself downstairs to the bathroom. And then this is continuing the, the graphic thing. She lost bladder control because of this and then was beaten for soiling the carpets and then was unable to consume water or food and would vomit at each attempt and was beaten for this as well. I, I don't understand how she survives this long. 
I don't either. It's, oh God, it's so awful. So eventually she became so crippled and just, it made the boys lose sexual interest in her, but they still kept her to torture um, her. And then the boys, like, because they lost sexual interest in her or whatever, kidnapped and gang raped a 19 year old woman but let her go afterwards so um on january 4th 1989 um the boys challenged junko to a game of mahjong which it is said that she won and out of frustration they okay so she won and they were pissed that she won so they started torturing her again and it i'm not going to go into the details again but they ended up like they had to they set her on fire again um on her they they poured lighter fluid on her thighs arms face and stomach and set her on fire um and then at first she tried to put out the fire but then became unresponsive and the whole attack lasted two hours and she ended up dying. So when they when the boys realized that she had died, they became really panicked and they wrapped her body in blankets and they're, they're panicking now because she's dead. Yeah. They wrapped her body in blankets and shoved it into a travel bag. Uh, then they put her into an oil drum and filled it with cement. And they threw the drum into a cement truck. So then they were like, okay, that's the end of it. But then on January 23rd, 1989, uh, Miyano, uh, who's that's Hiroshi and Ogura were arrested for the rape of a 19 year old woman. I believe it's the same one as before. Uh, so they were interrogated separately and so uh, Hiroshi believed that the officers knew about Junko's murder and thinking that Ogura had confessed, he told the police where to find her body. Um, and the police were surprised because they just had not heard of this. Um, and when they were interrogating them, they were actually talking about the murder of a different woman and her son, which that case just remains unsolved to this day. So, uh, they found her body and the boys were all arrested. You, you said earlier that they found her, their DNA. How could they find their, like, I don't know how, but they found her body in the oil drum and they might have also like found it just around the house. Okay. I don't know the details. Okay. So it gets worse. The trial. Their trials. Oh, you've got to be kidding. Uh, Hiroshi was sentenced. You want to guess what a sentence was? It's just going to piss me off because if you're saying that, it's going to be like nothing. You want to guess what a sentence was? Oh, my God. He got off for good behavior. No. But just guess the number of years. One. Okay. No, it's more than one year. Two. 17 years. Um, and then an additional three years were added later. And his sentence is the second highest 
that can be given next to life imprisonment. But they... they yeah. W what was the charge? Uh, I probably everything she, from she died rape, right torture. murder but yeah. i mean so you're saying there's no life sentence for murder well i think that he just wasn't convicted of, or he wasn't sentenced to life imprisonment for whatever reason but it gets worse so tell me what do you think minato was sentenced to that was the friend right that wasn't the, that's the one who kicked her off the bike to begin with yeah 12 mm -mm. one four to six years years and then later he was resentenced to five to nine years after he appealed. Um, and his parents were not charged. Um, what do you think uh, Watanabe was sentenced to? Two. Three to four. Which, uh, sentence was later changed to five to seven. Uh, and then Ogura was sentenced to eight years. And upon his release, boasted about the crime. Uh, and all of them changed their names, I believe. Um, but uh, Junko's funeral was held on April 2nd, 1989. And a lot of like books, songs, and movies have been created about uh, what she went through. And all of her murderers walk, three, walk free to this day. And this is some of them. I'm shocked this hasn't become some type of Japanese, you know, J-horror movie where this thing I comes back from dead been. and then kills them all. Because if they're walking free right now, if not, this is the movie you write. Because this is like, you can start doing about, this is the person you call to avenge your death. Oh, yeah, from my Vengeful Spirits yeah. thing? Yeah, that... It, it's horrible. They just... Nothing happened to them, basically. Um, But, yeah. Really gory story. If you want to... I don't know. I mean, if you want to see what actually happened, like, um, they have, like, a whole list on the Wikipedia page. But... Yeah. It's really depressing. It is really depressing. I, I hope yours is happier. Is yours happier? No. Oh. But it's not this depressing. Okay. Well, I mean, that's that's a step forward. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was that was a fun one to cover. No, I never heard of it though. But like. Yeah. Oh my god, that's I, just. Yeah. All right. Well, tell me your story. All right. Wait, you said you had a couple other things there of the uh, things they did to her? Oh, yeah. Do you want me to just talk about that real quick? Yeah, go for it. Because I think you said that it wasn't too graphic to... No, no. All right, but I will still give a warning. If you don't want to hear what happened, please turn away now. So, they dropped barbells on her stomach. Um, they also starved... I said starved her. They hung her from the ceiling used her as a punching bag, forced her to eat live cockroaches, uh, forced her to drink her own urine. Um, they inserted objects such as a lit light bulb and lit fireworks into her uh, nether regions. Also burned her eyelids with hot wax. 
Uh, they tore off her left nipple with pliers and pierced her breasts with sewing needles. Um, I think, um, yeah, there was a lot of dropping barbells on her stomach. That's crazy. They had to tape plastic bags onto her hands and wrists to stop her from bleeding profusely and to stop pus coming out of her wounds. Oh, my God. All right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. See why I didn't really say yeah, that? No, but you should just because I think people are going to be wanting to know, like, well, how bad was it? So there you go. It was bad. <clears throat> it was it bad, was definitely. really bad. Okay. All let's, right. Let's move on. Yeah. All right. Well, my story is um, true crime. It's... Um, it sounds like a serial murder. It's just a, I don't know, one-off crime. Mm-hmm. Um, takes place in Georgia. Uh, in the there's, a, I think the town or the closest town might be Somerville, Georgia. But um, there's a couple other places. I'm not exactly sure. But it's um, it takes place in 1982, and the, we keep like unintentionally syncing our murders up. <laughs> the. Uh, I, I actually found this. I was researching something else. Cause I was trying to find something for New Year's Eve, just a, like New Year's Eve type murders. Oh, so yes, New Year's Eve murders. And I found, like, there was a couple, but um, when I when I was going through the one that I was originally going to do, um, this one popped up, and I just, you know, started with one click, led to another click, that led to mm. just basically this, I went to this bottomless pit of uh, articles, but... Um, it started actually with uh, the lineup.com site, which is a pretty decent site. It has lots of things. So that's where I, I went down for my first rat hole to find this one. Um, and then same like Weekend Weird, all that's interesting. Crime Feed. Um, I found th- there was actually an article written on Mother Earth News by one of the victims. Whoa. And I'll explain that in a second. Wait, what? Yeah, no, you'll you'll see. Uh, Sword and Scale, Rebel, well, Rebel Circus I didn't really use, actually. I thought it was, it, when you have to, like, click through multiple things, you know, like, instead of being in one-page form, it doesn't give you that format. Oh, I hate Yeah, I, after, like, the third click, I'm like, you know what, this is ridiculous, because it's full of more ads than it is anything else. Yeah. Um, and then the Times Free Press had an article about this just in the last three years, right around Halloween, of course, but um, I think it, the, the, I think it's the Nashville Times Free Press. It wasn't huh. in Georgia, but I couldn't tell exactly where the newspaper was from. Well, I actually have to read the newspaper. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to set the stage. All right. right. It's 1976, so six years before the uh, murder itself. Um, okay. Charles Scudder turned 50 years old. He was an associate professor of pharmacology at Loyola University in Chicago. Isn't that one of the colleges we're looking into? I don't think Loyola Chicago. I think that might have been Loyola in Maryland. Oh. Um, he was divorced by this time, and he had, his children were all grown. I think he had been married twice, actually. Um, he had just become fed up. Like I think he was at this point where, and again, if you think about... 76 you know we just had watergate that's all done like there's a lot of just mistrust in the government the economy was basically awful Um, yeah i know exactly how that feels so just inflation was bad always so it's just like a bad time in general Mm -hmm. right so he was just fed up with his life and living in the city um felt like paying bills uh 
taxes. You know, his students were becoming super apathetic. Um, he was just done. Like the politics where he in his his department was becoming too much for him. You know, I guess you know he's I think basically having a midlife crisis as well. But mm. you know, uh, so he just said things have got to change, and I need to I need to do something drastically different than what I'm doing now. Um, so in the same period of time. I don't know if it was right before he turned 50, but around that time, he had inherited some money through, I don't know who, but he, he got some, he had money. And as he was trying to figure out his life, he just said, you know what? I need, I want to, I want to live off the land. Hmm. So he decides that he's going to find some place where he can just build his utopia of some sort, right? Honestly, go for it, dude. So he, he at the time, you know, he's just like, I don't know if I want to do this by myself though. So, but this is what I want to do. And he had a, uh, a uh, companion. His name was Joe Odom of 17 years who had been his, you know, housekeeper, cooked for his boys um, mm. and was his lover. Oh. <laughs> so right. um, and Joe was pretty feminine compared to uh, Charles. All uh, right. So uh, and I don't, I don't know if it was a secret in Chicago. So my belief is that they're kind of a, you know he's they're an eccentric he's eccentric but joe it's 76 right 76 yeah so yeah. it's not yeah but joe also wasn't i think he dropped out of school in the fifth grade so joe wasn't highly intelligent yeah, that's um, a little young stay in school kids but uh but you know i don't know how old he was there but he was i mean they were it wasn't like this crazy right. weird you know pedophilia type thing going yeah. on yeah um so Joe and he convinces Joe that this is what we should do. I mean, I'm assuming Joe has no other choice since Joe is basically living with Charles. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, he had, again, what's he going to do? But uh, Joe was also, you know, as housekeeper cook, that was one of the other things where one of Joe's dreams was he always wanted to just basically cook on a wood stove, you know, use that kind of thing. That sounds like something you would want to have as your dream. Yeah. Well, that's, he was like, I'm all about, you know, this sounds great. We're in what, let's do it. So they end up selling their home Mm -hmm. and and he had like a, it was not a small home. It was kind of like a mansion, but it was in a very depressed area. So it wasn't as if he was going to get lots of money for it, but it was a large home. Um, so they sold that, sold as many of the possessions that they had, um, and they bought a camper, hmm. and um, actually, I should go back. But in between this time, they also found a piece of land in Georgia. So as they're selling all this stuff, it's too. They bought forty acres huh. in this uh, remote area of Georgia. Um, no electricity, like I mean, just a piece of land that's not connected to the outside world in the woods somewhere. Okay. I mean, it both sounds like the dream and the nightmare. Yeah. Because I'd like you know a nice. Well, I mean, land they they bought this camper so that they could build a house by themselves. So they weren't, uh, they weren't, I mean, they didn't have, I mean, the money they had wasn't also a lot. So what they sold, it was just enough buy this parcel of land and they'd never done this before. Like, well, he wasn't an architect or a builder, but he, I mean, smart enough to understand this is what I need, budgets, everything like, so right. he had a plan. Um, so they buy the camper, they buy all the necessary tools and, um, equipment and supplies to basically live off the grid and start building this this manor. So far, this is such a sweet story, and I love it. In their first year, 
they built the first floor and it was brick. So, huh. and he, he, you know, laid all the brick out and all this other stuff. Is this like the three little pigs, but like <laughs> reversed? In that first floor, you know, so, you know, they're living in the camper building. Mm-hmm. But after the first year, like I said, they built the first floor. It had a kitchen, a living room, and a dining room. By the second year, they finished the uh, second floor with the bedrooms and put a roof on. Mm. Um, and then this is now, I quote, this is what he wrote because he wrote a whole big thing in Mother Earth News. Soon after they finished that, he would write to this, um, this uh, I guess it's a paper at the time, about how to live off the grid. And he, he said, our small country estate boasted a circular rose garden at the end of the drive, fruit trees and grapevines, a vegetable garden that produced fresh corn, cabbage, carrots, turnips, and other edibles, and a brick gazebo topped by a sun deck overlooking the garden where we take tea. We use many homegrown and foraged food products, and and our meals must certainly be among the best in the world. Huh. So he wrote this whole thing about how you could do it, too, and he went through all the issues of his life about why he wanted to leave the 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 college that he was teaching at why he sold all these things and he was basically saying like look if i can do it since i do nothing and i mean i've never laid brick and mortar in my life anyone can they, they had an outhouse like i said no electricity no tv no nothing they just built the thing this is reminding me of uh what's his name from uh from the good place <laughs> maybe what they actually uh the reason they actually moved was because they saw what the afterlife was like and you know, they wanted to earn enough points to score on the Or Thanos. Um, oh, okay. <clears throat> you know, we can go that way too. <laughs> so by 1982, um, not only had they finished their main two-story brick home, but they also created some more structures. Mm. One was a three-story chicken house. So the first floor was like for their chickens. Second floor, they ended up having, um, that's where they put kept any of their... Uh, um, food supplies or anything else that they may have purchased or anything else they do, right? This like a pantry. It's getting okay. better and better. I love this story. And the top floor, they called the pink room. It was fully furnished and uh, that's where they would entertain their guests if they had guests and and they'd partake in their homemade wine because they made their own wine. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. Sounds like the perfect utopia as you can see. Like You're it like, does. wow, this is I, beautiful, right? Yeah, I'm convinced. Isn't I will great? move there. It's so awesome. So I can tell you, you want to learn more a little bit about Scudder, like just him himself? All right, let me tell you some more. So um, when he left the university job before he did, he decided to take a couple things with him. Okay. So he just decided, he's in the pharmacology department. So pharmacology is with, um, you know, all about, uh, you know, drugs, chemicals, like how they affect you. I like his style. (laughs) So he happened to just take two skulls with him. Two what? Skulls, just skulls. Like human skulls? Human skulls. And 12,000 doses of LSD. What the hell? Oh, and one more thing. Just one more thing. Also, Scudder was a member of the Church of Satan. Oh, my God. What? And it wasn't just him and Joe that decided to go there. He had two dogs, two bull mastiffs. If anything happens to those dogs, you're off the podcast. Beelzebub and... Arsenath. Arsenath is a character from uh, uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. I honestly, okay, I don't uh, uh, see uh, any problem finish, uh, with this uh, so uh, far, uh, except maybe that he LSD. had a also a big gothic gargoyle that he put on the top of the front of the entrance <laughs> to get in. It was pink as well. It was pink. And actually, all these pictures you can see. Um, oh my god. And and oh, wait wait wait, 
and he was also kind of an artist, and I think Joe was too. I think Joe may have been more of the artist. They created their own stained glass window to put in the house. Oh my god! And in the stained That's glass, like embedded in the stained glass window, was a, the prophet known as Baphomet, a very important figure in the Church of Satan. Ah. Okay. So. Wait. So was was uh, Joe also part of the Church of Satan? It doesn't say, but Charles definitely was. I mean, and lastly, they named their state. They named their country a state, Brick Manor. Hell. No. Hell squared. The Corpsewood Manor. <gasps> because Wait a minute. of the hauntingly bare autumn trees that dotted the area. I don't know this story, but I know that name. How do I know that name? So, into our crime timeline. Crime timeline. Yes, crime timeline. Yes, yes. Okay. The gargoyle did it. It's pink, too. It's a pink gargoyle. Yeah, that just reinforces my opinion. So Scudder and Odom's relationship wasn't, you know, the best kept secret. You know, people were kind of like, who are these two city folk that just bought these 40 acres and are building this thing? And named it Corpse Wood. Out in the, you know, out in the sticks. So the gossips and ru- gossip and rumors, you know, grew around the town about yeah, as they you know, do. the couple hidden in the woods. Mm. Um, and then there are other other stories came out. You know, rumors of wild parties in the pink room became very common knowledge. And the name, the decor of the manor, also spread, and the locals were all told to be to beware of the Satanists in the woods. Because remember, I mean. They call it corpse wood. There's a gargoyle. When was Satanic Panic? <clears throat> was that the eighties? This is all. Yeah, this was definitely part of it. But he, he this is he's never he, he was a member of the Church of Satan. There's well, yes, okay. but at the same time, like okay. I can see how it would affect. So um, Scudder and Odin pretty much kept to themselves. Like they didn't really have to go into town for anything because they lived off the land. Yeah. But they did uh, go into town if they needed to. Um, and they never, you know, impose themselves or anything upon uh, others. Uh, I do believe that Joe, not only that he was, you know, um, th- quit school or dropped out of fifth grade, he also ha- had a little trouble in the law early in his life, but I'm not exactly sure. They don't talk about the details of what mm. those things were. Um, so, you know, it was believed that they weren't performing satanic rituals or anything. Like, they weren't, like, beheading chickens and, you know, ah. dancing naked in the dark, I mean, in the moonlight and things like that. I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, I don't see any problems. What What was more for the time, this goes down to your satanic panic thing, was that most people who were members of the Church of Satan weren't Satanists. They were atheists who just mm. were like, hey, you know, we don't believe in this certain, t- in, in, you know, Western European religions that were all about, you know, repression and things like that. They were big believers in enjoy worldly pleasures, celebrate them, you know, which again, most. Honestly, yeah, like the Church of Satan doesn't make me think of like devilish people just like, you know, like putting their hands together, like, yeah. I just think of people partying, you know, having a good time. Well, they partied because the pink room definitely celebrated those worldly pleasures. Oh, um, it was entirely painted pink. Oh, it was God. outfitted with chains, mattresses, oh, oh. pornography, oh. candles, whips, and and they had a guest logbook, a guest book, oh. detailing their debauchery. So the guests wrote, you know, okay. the guest list usually included a lot of ex-cons, models, 
and teenagers that Scudder had corresponded with over the years. Oh, no, no, In no. time, some locals would visit the pink room from the area just for the free booze and the drugs. Wow. Seems like too much of a party house now. Maybe they should, like, tone it down a little bit. Like, you know, just calm, like, a little bit. So, 76, you know, he left Chicago, 50, does his thing. 81, by 81, I think in 81, 82 was the date of the letter he wrote to Mother Earth News explaining everything. So, right. So, I believe they kind of finished everything in the early, early 82. Okay. So, now we're in November of 82. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kenneth Avery Brock would run into... Scudder and Odom, you know, kind of meet them because Brock was hunting in the in the woods and, tre- you know, basically trespassed on their property. And Scudder and Odom weren't those type of people who like get off my lawn kind of thing. So you know, like they'd you? Be, yeah, they'd be yeah. Well, hey, yeah, <laughs> um, they befriended that befriended uh, Brock and. Scudder's like, look, you have permission to hunt, you know, here. And I'm not sure if it was like if you catch something, you know, if we could part of the deal is I get mm. some whatever that kind of thing and they became friends so um, and it was believed that Brock may may not have been so uh, coincidental that he ran into them because they think Brock tried to initiate Satan in disguise no, Brock tried oh. to initiate a relationship with Scudder oh. so gosh darn but again it could have been friend I mean Brock was young like I told you oh I didn't put his age I think Brock was only 17 so he was young my God. Um, so, so young. Brock also was living in, with had a roommate living in a camper in, in t- outside of the woods, of course, but in town mm-hmm. with a guy named Tony West. And Tony was a 30-year-old. Um, he uh, was an out-of-work construction worker, but I don't, I think he was pretty local. Like they, these, both these guys are, you know, but were townies mm-hmm. um and west had a history of uh violence and was a known homophobic like basically it and it's kind of it's pretty religious area around that point oh, too yeah so. that, i mean it's georgia isn't it well yeah um now what was w- intriguing though was because he had heard some of the stories however uh west when he heard about hey chance for free booze or drugs or whatever like that he kind of like ah that homophobic thing or the homophobia i don't that doesn't bother me that much oh my drink God. party let's go so they did visit Body. the house the two of them the mm-hmm. pink room yeah a couple times so so on one occasion um they were in the pink room you know partying scudder's there brock's there odom's there and then scudder started performing um a sexual act on brock and then in front of his boyfriend they're all there they don't wait oh yeah uh, with odom there yeah i think again they, it's they, just they like all party whatever this is, okay yeah, all right 70s or 80s early 80s free love whatever you want to call it um i think that is what you call it but uh so that's happening and then scudder then tries his charms and, and advances on uh on west and west is having none of it oh. to the point where west you know, is basically, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I'm out of here. And he, you know, takes off, right? So they he leaves. Okay. So they're back at the camp or whatever it is. Brock 
and uh, West then, you know, have a couple arguments in between here and there. And Brock's like trying to say like, look, I, you know, I think I was taken advantage of. And, and Wes is like, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. However, Brock does go back oh. <laughs> to the pink room in between that occasion that happened and um, the events that are about to happen. Okay, oh, wow. so, so as time passes, and then not a lot of time, you know, this is November, we're now in December. In this period of time, you know, West is using that, is kind of manipulating Brock mm-hmm. about, hey, look, yeah, you were getting taken advantage of, and, they're, and they were using you and all these other things, and just kind of like getting to you know, into the head. Oh. And at one point, Brock, you know, had told West, again, in this short period of time, like almost a month, less than a month, that... They, that there was money and treasure and riches, like these two guys, how they're living off the land and mm-hmm. this beautiful home that they built and all this other stuff. There's, you know, and again, Wes keeps turning the screw on Brock, like, hey, you know, you're taking advantage of these guys got some money. Let's, you know, we should, let's make this right. Let's, you should get this money. Let's, you know, so we're going to rob these dudes. No, don't do that. So, um, they, they get to this point where they're hatching this plan on how they're going to rob Brock. I mean, rob uh, Scudder and Odom. Mm-hmm. So uh, they start getting into this whole thing about how you know not only is there money, but they're Satanists. You know, so it's no. just you know they're homosexual, but, which is still farm. I don't understand since you know clearly Brock is also homosexual or bi or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that whole religious piece of West is like, we, we're going to rob him. We're going to, we're, we're doing God's thing. You know, we're doing God's will. We're going to fix this. No, um, you're not. So thinking that there is this big hall coming and they're going to be able to make their way, they put their plan into action. So on December 12th, mm-hmm. right, so whatever, maybe, maybe it's four or six weeks after they've only met these people. Um, they start to execute their plan. Brock, on his stops by his mother's house, and is like, I'm, "I need. I'm taking your rifle." Oh, you know, just well, well we're going hunting. I mean, he hunts. Like, oh, it's not. It's right. not on her now. Um, and what's really weird is, and this is where some of the research I couldn't understand completely, but West also invites a couple, a teenage couple, to come with them because he's like, "Hey, you want to go party in the pink room? You know the stories. What? There's drugs, Why would you? booze, blah 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 blah." Um, the two, the teenage couple, Joey Wells and Teresa Hudgens. Now, in one of the th- the things I had read, I believe Wells was somehow related to um, to West. Like either he was the um, his cousin or nephew, something like that. Why uh, would you a, take him along? What? So they they're going along, and Teresa actually was kind of like, I'm not into any of this stuff. But good for you, whole, Teresa. They were all like, want. Hey, let's go see the Devil Worshippers. So. They go and they get there, and um, when they arrive, they had kind of surprised Scudder and Odom. So they, the Scudder and Odom, had just finished dinner, um, but West and Brock, West and Brock, I should say, had hadn't come empty-handed. They actually brought like paint thinner and varnish to to basically sniff to get high off the fumes, kind of thing. Uh-huh. So Scudder's like, "Fine, bring it up. Let's go to the pink room. I'll bring the wine." So. They all go up to the pink room, which is the top floor again of this this three story. So mm-hmm. they get up there and they have to climb a forty foot ladder 
to get to the top part of it, right? So now in the room, and um, they're partying, except that Joey and Teresa aren't partaking in the in any. They're just kind of like all there, right, good right? for you. They're teens, right? Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, so Odom is still in the kitchen in the main house, mm-hmm. cleaning, doing you know, poor, poor Joe. Um, doing so chores. now. Like I said, Teresa and Joey—they're not actually. I say they weren't—they weren't doing the chemicals, but they did drink. Um, so now everybody's got their buzz on, and this is the point where Brock's like, "Okay, I'll get back. I'll be right back. I'm gonna go grab some more of the varnish and you know, oh, mm-hmm. and the uh, paint thinner stuff." And uh, so he excuses himself. He goes down, gets goes to the car, and instead you know, he just grabs his rifle. He returns to the party and he give, gives a rifle to West. In front of everybody. And Scudder is so intoxicated, he starts like, you know, but he's, you know, mumbling and he's laughing and he's like, bang, bang, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> God damn. So, you know, they're all still kind of getting their stuff, but, you know, Wes has the gun. And then Scudder goes to like change uh, or to, to reset the lantern that's there for the light, you know, um, probably just put more fuel in it or whatever to just oh, get no. going on. And at that moment, Brock leaps up, grabs Scudder, Pins him down, grabs a knife out of his boot, <gasps> puts a knife right to his neck, and he's like, hey, we're here for the money, so let's just get this done, all right? And in the process, he ties Brock, I mean, he ties um, Scudder uh, uh, behind, you know, ties his hands behind his back. I think he ties his feet, and then um, puts a gag in his mouth, and, you know, saying, like, we're going to get the, we want the money. So, of course, you know, taking the gag out, and Scudder's like, there is no money. You know, we what you see like we're we're living off what we do here this right. is everything we've invested in they're like yeah did yeah yeah the, whatever did the teenagers know about no. this at all so all this is going on so in this whole crazy hectic part the teenagers are like we are out of here yeah so the teenagers good. just go get out like escape get to the car car won't start no come on so they're no. in there right? Right. so um west then hands the rifle to brock and and basically says, okay, go get, let's go get Odom, right? So no. Brock then goes down and surprises Odom in the kitchen, yeah, right. So sees him and like basically Brock then shoots Odom dead. No, Just shoots fires four shots, killing Odom on the spot. Oh my god! Goes in and then kills the two dogs. What? Uh, no! And, god, Jesus! And here's the thing: the dogs were just sitting next to the wood stove, didn't even move. Like saw their saw Odom get shot. Just apparently did not leave their spot. So, and then they. Why killed. would he shoot the dogs? Um, they're pretty big dogs too. I'm not saying he should have, but I'm just saying like little mastiffs, right? Do so that. So now Brock returns to the pink room, and they bring Scudder down to the main house. And as Scudder enters the house, he sees Odom dead. He yeah. sees his dogs dead, and he's just like you know completely in shock. Brock throws him into a. a throws him to a chair um, and removes the gag and says, you know, again, we're here for the money. Do you want, you know, see what we're going to do the same to you. Scudder is like just beyond himself, gets up out of the chair, you know, gagged, trying to get to Odom. And they're like, sit down. Wes is like, sit down. And he's not even listening to anything. And he's getting closer and closer um, towards Odom. And as he's getting like, trying to like, I'm not sure if he's, hopping crawling he's like um he says i asked for this and then the next thing west ordered him to stop again and shoots him in the face whoa scudder 
gets up. I'm sorry. After being shot in the face. Shot in the face. Gets up and starts to get back again towards Odom. And as he's getting up, West again shoots um, shoots him once more. Oh, my God. Hits him. I think actually, I thought it was the body, but they were saying later, I think it could have been the body, neck, whatever. Spins around. He hits the bookcase Uh that's there and is falling down. And he's now gurgling, like he's trying to speak. Oh, my God. And then West just fires three more shots into the back of Scudder's head, and he's dead. Oh, my God. So Brock then and West now ransack the house and try to take everything they can find. So they had a bunch of stuff, like little things like, you know, trinkets and stuff that they had brought from the other house, stuff like that. Grabs all that stuff, and they steal Scudder's Jeep. On their way out, Wells and Hudgens are basically like, look, We'll kill you. You say anything, we're coming after you. Oh my you God. saw what we did. You're on your own. We're out. So they take off. Um, and on the run, like they're in this Jeep, and the Jeep was pretty um, blatantly, it was like painted and had all these crazy, you know, insignias and things right. like that. So it was, you know, they stood out. So they ditched that car and then they carjacked this other guy who was a Navy seaman, um, Kirby Phelps. And they end, and then Wes ends up killing that guy what too. What the hell? And then they split up, and they take off. Within you know weeks, um, West ends up turning himself in. Yeah, good. And Brock gets caught. Actually, I don't know. Brock turns himself in. Sorry, oh. the seventeen-year-old t- turns off. West, the older one, also gets caught somewhere in Mississippi. Um, they found the bodies a few days later. Somebody had come to visit them and mm-hmm. notice all the stuff. So the, that's how they were found. Um, and in that period of time, Wells and Hudgens told the, told them exactly, the police, what happened that evening, Good. like step by step. And they actually heard him say, I asked for this. So now the trial. Yeah. West basically is like said, hey, all I can say is that they were devils and I killed them. That's how I feel about it. Wow. Oh, my God. Brock was sentenced to three life sentences, and he attempted suicide in jail, but he's still serving out his term. Wes was sentenced to death for the two murders, um, but his sentence was commuted to life without without parole. Wow. Okay. So, all that's gone. So, in the conclusion, in conclusion, I should say, sorry. um, After the trial, a friend of Scudder's believed she knew what Scudder meant when he said, you know, I asked for this. It was believed, and this is spooky. There's a picture of this you can see. Um, uh-huh. It was believed that Odom, Joe Odom, had a vision one evening, and he shared it with with Scudder, his partner, and and inspired um, Scudder to paint this image. And it's the, and the image was, it showed Scudder with a gag in his mouth and five bullet holes in his forehead. Oh my God! The friend is said to have claimed that Scudder had told her about the painting that's how i'm gonna die whoa even to this day if for those who visit the corpsewood manor because it's still like in disrepair now completely falling apart and things like that people say they hear gunshots the barking of dogs or even the invisible strains of a golden harp. Scudder had a harp that he had brought. They, they couldn't steal it because it was so big. Right. You'll hear the harp being played in the in the woods. Um, and those who take a brick from the crumbling remains of the buildings are said to be cursed for life. 
that's how I know it. I know the brick thing. That's it, though. Yeah, and it's uh, that you, it still stands there. There's a pl- there was one website that showed you how to get there. It tells you what to do and Holy go around. Shit. So it it's definitely, you know, Satanists and the, since then are you know there's pentagrams now painted everything. But the pink gargoyle, I, th- I believe, it was there at one point. I don't think it's unless somebody stole that, the stained glass window. But you'll see the painting, too. That they had a picture of it afterwards, but um. But yeah, oh my God. the Corpse Wood Manor. So yours is like true crime and paranormal. Well, the ending, they're saying things happen, but you know, but that's how the urban legends and ghost stories wow. start. But yeah, and there you go. That was really good. Holy crap. All right, so I think now it's time for your fun fact, I guess, next, yeah? Yes. All right, so... My fun fact for you this week is about gargoyles. Um, so, in the early 90s, uh, a, the Chapel of Bethlehem in France um, was having like a restoration thing. And um, the sculptor Jean-Louis Boistel decided to replace the gargoyles on the building with uh, gremlins like the like the pop culture like from the movie from the movie oh my god um and oh they also uh he also put in an alien xenomorph (laughs) and a robot from the popular anime ufo robot grandizer i don't know what that is um and the public at first were like no and then a, enough like young people were like, yes, 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 that it eventually got approved. <laughs> and um, on the Washington National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., there is a Darth Vader gargoyle, as you can see right here. I have a picture. Oh my God. And this is on Mental Floss if you want to find it out. It's 10 fearsome facts about gargoyles. That's crazy. Um, but. Yeah, so there's now a there's a bunch of So is the gremlin culture. before like I mean when they become gremlins or is it the I furry animal know. it must be the gremlin it has it's, to prob- be it's probably the, like the So they gremlin. have already fed them after midnight or got them wet or something. Okay. Well they are gargoyles which, and those are meant to divert rain from the thing. Well, so. then they just keep multiplying. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's my fun fact. So any closing thoughts before I launch into the sh- end of episode spiel? Hope your 2019 brings you everything you wish for. Yes. Yeah. Happy 2019. And let's hope for a happy one. Um, Okay. So uh, if you are like Jackie and want to uh, suggest a story for us, then uh, you should go email us. And our email is everythinginpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can submit... uh, to our website which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com and you can also give us fun facts you can share your own stories that have happened to you or your family or just someone you know we actually have gotten a couple uh and so i want to make an episode out of that um and so you can also check out we're gonna have our uh visuals from this episode on on there uh, you can also see other fun stuff like where you can listen um, and also just just stuff. I don't know. I don't even know it's on there anymore. Um, but Instagram's the best way, though. 
Yes, I, I'm getting there. Okay. Yeah, okay. Just so DM could, on Instagram. Yeah, you could DM us on Instagram, and our Instagram is at everything in podcast. Uh, so, yeah, check us out. We post when, like, new episodes come up. Uh, we're also on Twitter at between underscore podcast. And we're on Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook page, which is everything in between podcast and then a group by the same name. So come join us there. And I think that's about it. So happy 2019. Happy 2019. Goodbye. Bye.